Hey guys, it's comedian Mickey Coachella, and uh, I love listening to The Angry Millennial. There's nothing funny about it. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to The Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Borrow Lenses. Bring your vision to life with the gear you want when you need it. Don't deplete your resources by investing in gear you may only need once in a while. Instead, grow your business by using high-end gear before you can afford to own it. I know for me, for many years starting out, this is how I got the shots I needed with the glass I couldn't afford at the time. And plus, it's great for trying before you buy. For a lot of us, spending 1000 to 1600 bucks on gear can be pretty daunting. With thousands of rental lenses, cameras, lighting, and all the tools of the trade for hobbyists and pros alike, it's a no-brainer. You get to use specialty gear as well as underwater cameras and telephoto lenses for that once-in-a-lifetime adventure without a huge investment. You choose the gear you want, tell us how you want it, for how long, and we ship that gear directly to you. You can book far in advance and secure all the gear you'll need. What's going on, AM Nation, and welcome to the Angry Millennial Show, where we chat with creatives and entrepreneurs about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, the ugly. This week, we're recording from WPPI in Vegas with some of the most talented photographers from around the country. Today, we have editorial and commercial sports portrait photographer, Alexis Guaresma. Alexis, thanks for coming out, brother. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So listen, we've known each other for quite a bit. Um, we met at a standout event a few years back. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, have you always done the shaking babies and kissing hands method of getting work and kind of coming a lot of these things? Um, like, uh, yeah, well, networking. I always yeah. try to go out and networking. I love meeting people. Right. Um, yeah. and it, regardless what they do, um, they're in the industry or not. Um, going out, meeting people, and yeah, I always try to do that as much as I can. Nice, nice. I'll be honest, as personable as I am, it, it took me a while to realize it's the best way to meet people and just get shit done. You know, and when we met at Standout and then PPE that year, or no. Later you know, that same year, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, doing this here, it's it's amazing. You know, the like we know, especially when you run in the similar circles, yeah. you know what I mean? To to finally get all the people that you know in one in one place and hang out and you know and, and network and meet with the companies it's it's really a lot of fun. Yeah, you know the the funny thing about I was um just talking to someone about this. I think it was in the G in the G Tech. Oh, uh, right to Dixie Dixon? Not that with Dixie with uh, um, Alyssa. Was that her name? Oh, um, one of the G Tech. Uh, one of the G Tech. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. With her, um, I, yeah, it was her. I was just telling her about yeah. this. You talk about you know it took you a while to go out. Um, I was doing a portfolio reviews at NYC Photo Works a few oh, nice. years back. Yeah, yeah. And then the second day, I uh, um, I uh, I was having a meeting with a uh, um, with a consultant. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, not consultant with an agent, uh, Molly Janesh mm-hmm. from uh, Agency MJ. Nice. And then um, you know she was looking over my work, and it was then a day two, and I asked her, you know, I I'd really want your honest feedback. And I'm like, out of all the work that you've seen in the past two days, right? I was like, that's does my work, does my portfolio stand out? Mm-hmm. And she said, um, "I'm not quite exactly sure what you mean." And I'm like, <laughs> "Out of all it's the not a fucking trick question, <laughs> yeah. but go on." I was like, um, "You know, out of all the work that you've seen, does it you know stand out? Is it is memorable? It, it's memorable, yeah. right?" Yeah. And then she was like, "You know what, Alexis? I, I'm not sure what you mean, but what I could tell you is that your personality stands out and that you're memorable." Nice. And I wasn't sure um, how I felt about it at the time because uh, I worked my ass off to make of my course. image look good, yeah. make my image look like they do. Um, and I was like, you know, I don't know if to take that as a compliment or like <laughs> to actually even work harder to make my work look good. You know what right, I mean? Right. Um, anyhow, um, hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking back on that, you know, when you're saying going out and networking, mm-hmm. um, I've been told that more than once. Right. So um, that tells me that my strongest a- asset, at least, is, is going out and person. meeting people and meeting right. in person. Right. Yeah. On on 
top of the work and then you show mm-hmm. the work and hopefully the work is solid dumb. Exactly. By all means to anyone listening, I'm not saying be a really nice person and do mediocre half ass work because <laughs> right. that's not good. You know what I mean? It's right. I promise you I'll work my ass out to try to make my images look good. So when she said that, that's why I was kind of like confused. I was like, you know, is that good, bad? But um, yeah. another thing that I realized from that is that um, from working with bigger crews, bigger sets and everything, mm-hmm. um, the way you are, your personality, it's huge. Like yeah. I always... Oh, yeah. I always say I'll take an assistant that has a C minus knowledge of lighting that's great to work with or someone that has the nose lighting better than I am right. but has a bad attitude or is difficult to work with. Yeah, for sure. And that applies to photography, to models, to everything. Yep. So, um, you know, going out and meeting people, it, it's, you know, people want to work with who they like, you know. Believe me. And that's the biggest thing. Uh, and and for a while, you know, on the outside looking in, it took it took me a little while to get it. But at the same time, we all know, and and let's call a spade a spade here. Some people, right? Not naming names, just broad strokes here, are in a very large platform, right? Yeah. And you sit there and say, the work is okay. And you go, what the fuck? I know I could shoot better than that, right? Yeah. But I always would say, we can't hate because they're doing something right. And whether it's their marketing's on point or their business sense or whatever, they had to do something to get to that point. So you can't get mad. But like you said, and this is something that I've you know really realized from all the vendors and all the people I speak to, and they say it all the time. I don't care how good your work is. The work should be good. Like you said, it can't be shitty. That's a good given. Yeah. But it's you really have to ask yourself, is this someone I could I could see myself being on set for 12 hours with? You know, or someone I want to continue to work with in a capacity that will be, you know, coming and speaking and doing videos and, you know, and and if you have, if you have an abrasive personality, this doesn't fucking matter how good your work is at that point. You know what I mean? And, And you said it, it's, it's tough for someone's great personality to come through an email or even a fucking mailer. You know, if you have a really great mailer. That's true, you, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, and like you said, if you have a great personality and you're not even an extrovert, but if you're a person who just is nice, you know, good, good, you know, nice to talk to, like one of the critique, he's not an extrovert. Exactly. He's, like, he's a great personality. He's, he's and, the most soft-spoken brown man I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, but he's a great person, and you yeah. know, I'd love to work with him and stuff like that. And um, like about even all in personality, um, I love talking on the phone versus texting or emailing. Mm-hmm. And um, before I was doing a shoot with a model, um, actually, I'm going down to work with her again. Uh, mm-hmm. Her name is Nicole Whitaker. Um, we were talking before our first shoot on the phone. Right. And then I said, uh, um, oh, let me send you some of my work. You know, I want to show you my, my, my work so you make sure you like it. She's like, oh, no, I can already tell the shoot's going to be good from talking to you. Nice. And I was like, yeah. wow. Like, so just like, you know what I mean? Just being nice to people goes a long, long way. Yeah. Um, and then with that being said, one of my latest test shoot that I did with a full team mm-hmm. It was a fitness shoot. I don't know if you saw it. It was uh, with all Nike stuff with the stylist. Yeah, and, the, the and, Nike test. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, I was so close to saying no to that shoot because I, I have plenty of fitness in my portfolio. Mm-hmm. And that model, um, I met her at the mixer for her agency, uh, Scout uh, Modeling Agency that had a Christmas party. Mm-hmm. I met her there. That her agent followed up and said, hey, she really wants to do fitness. Um, you know, um, he'd set up a test with her. And I was right. so close to saying no. Because I have plenty of fitness stuff and I don't need yeah. it anymore. Yeah. The only thing that made me say yes was because that model was super nice and yeah. her personality was amazing. And uh, I've like I shoot boxers and pro athletes all the time, so I didn't need no fitness. And then um, uh, because saying yes to her, I ended up you know putting a call out like, "Hey, I'm doing a test. I'm going to send it to Nike. Um, this is my work mm-hmm. uh, on the form." Mm-hmm. I got back a tremendous feedback from a bunch of makeup artists. Oh, I would love to work with you. And I connected with a great stylist. Nice. Had an amazing team. And yeah. it ended up, you know, working well. And that all happened. That was like a big lesson for me. Because I say, and I was so close to saying no to that model. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I said yes was because her personality was great. Right. And on the day of the shoot, she was absolute pleasant to work with. Absolute yeah. pleasure. And like I told I told her agent that and then I told her whatever she needs, let me know. That's awesome. And, what and it is, like so. you said, it's like we said, it, on both sides of the table, if you're a shitty fucking person No one wants to work with you. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine, especially on a test, where everyone is donating their time, everyone knows their time is valuable. But if any one person in that group is toxic, it throws off the whole shit. It is. You know? And it's hard to recover from that. Yeah. It's fucking hard. uh, Because I think people realize, like, that you're doing this out of the 
kindness of your heart in a sense and yeah. and to be dealing with an ego you're just like mm-mm, mm-mm. i got better shit to do and i got fuck i gotta get paid today if i wanted to yeah but i wanted to come here so it's very important so tell me about how did it all start for you like were you always creative you know did photography come first or, or was it other stuff no i've always loved um ever since i was little my very um first memories i've always loved drawing i've always wanted to draw really really um well like uh you know the super realism super um you know, the drawings look good. Yeah. I've always loved doing that. And then when I was little, like in elementary school, I'd always draw stuff. Um, never from my imagination, I always had to be looking at something, be able to draw it and replicate it pretty well. And then, you know, when I got to um, high school and I got college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. It's mm-hmm. a major in. Mm-hmm. So I um, always loved computers and I love drawing. So I was like, all right, I'll do it, be a graphic design major. Nice. Right. And then the, in college, they don't have a graphic assignment. You have to do art with an option in graphic design. Right. So I started taking those art classes, art history, graphic right. design. And then I took one photography course. Um, and then I absolutely loved it. And then I started taking more. So then I eventually did a, uh, it was going to be a double, a double, double major. A double major. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was, well, technically it's a double option. I, I don't know what it was called. Um, it's a major in art mm-hmm. with an option in, um, a BFA in photography and graphic design. Mm-hmm. So I started doing those. And then from there, I just really started like loving photography. Right. And then I ended up dropping out like with a uh, quarter or two quarters left <laughs> on there. Uh, so that's how, how it went for me. But yeah. it, it, with that being said, going to college helped right. me out tremendously right. from a creative standpoint. The art history classes, uh, the painting classes, mm-hmm. all that helped me out mm-hmm. tremendously with my creativity with coming up with ideas on how to light um, and I almost never run out of ideas for Dude, that. And people don't remember, painters are the original fucking OGs of lighting. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's why I tell people, where do you think the, the orientation, portrait, and landscape came from, painters? Yeah. Where do you think half the lighting techniques like Rembrandt came from, fucking painters? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I think for sure, I, I did I did art history in, in high school, and it was uh, really great for me because I, I sat there and I said, I'm not a painter. I, w- I really wish I was more artistic. I drew and painted a little bit. Yeah. But it wasn't good. And then, but I knew like, you got to pay respect to the people who came before you. You got to know why things are the way they are now because of, you know, X, Y, Z in the past. And and you got to respect it. And I thought that was, like you said, it really helped me as a photographer later, you know, after college um, to, to remember all that stuff. You yeah. Know? And, and it was really great. The great thing with college is that it forced me to study. I, mm-hmm. I was exposed to, I was exposed to things that otherwise I wouldn't have been exposed to. Right. You know, like John Cage, Jackson Pollock, all those people, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You, you get a, you're forced to study them for <laughs> a whole quarter or a semester, a year and all that stuff, right? Because right? I know on my own, there's no way I would have studied any of that crap. You I know, know, when I heard uh, um, John Cage's Silent 22, mm-hmm. right? The first time I said, what the hell? Like, I would have never studied that. And like, you know, when eventually when you read it and you get everything, it's like, dude, you know, uh, John Cage is a real, real deep guy. He's actually really, really smart mm-hmm. with all the things that he says. Um, and the, the stuff that he says, I believe, is 100, 100% relevant today. Mm-hmm. I was reading one of his books on my own, which is kind of ironic, <laughs> you know? And uh, John Cage, uh, if, you feel, if you look him up, um, for any of the listeners, his uh, Silent 422, I don't know if you know, it's available to buy on iTunes. Mm-hmm. You could buy, I don't know if you know about that, but mm-hmm. yeah, if you want to give yourself a nice experience, you'll probably be pissed off at me and won't talk again, <laughs> but you could buy it for a dollar th- uh, thirty. If you know our history, you're probably laughing. If you don't, then right. you, you'll probably be in for a treat, well, right. um, depending on how you want to call it. Um, yeah, yeah. And then uh, um, he's a, like a music composer, and one of the things that he was talking about um, was when the electronic music first came out. Uh, I think it was in the 60s or 70s. Mm-hmm. He said the mistake that the engineers and the musicians were doing in uh, making electronic music, uh, you know, the, the instruments and all that stuff, a huge mistake that they were making is that they were trying to make it sound like acoustic instruments. Wow. He's like, electronic music has so much more potential and so much more stuff right. it could do. Right. right. They're making, he's like, the same way the designers made mm-hmm. the mistake when they first started designing cars. They designed it after the horse and carriage instead of designing it how a car fully could be to its potential. Oh, shit. I never... <laughs> and then it's crazy. the reason why I bring that up that right. I think is relevant to today is mm-hmm. I think that magazines are making a mistake by making online magazines and mm-hmm. trying to make that you know 2D print that yeah, you fold out and it flip. It doesn't work. And limiting that to the internet or the iPad or wherever instead of using it for its full potential. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like yeah. the stuff like we talked like on the you know the same because we both listen to Gary Vaynerchuk and all that. Mm-hmm. Like he says, like you know how all the stuff is transitioning to social media and all that. Just like back in the day, you know, it used to be radio and then went from radio to from TV. Right. That's going like you know what I mean. So, um, you know, studying that stuff with art and all like that, it just exposes you to a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. And it, it and it's you know I think that's big with a lot of what we do as photographers is is being open to education. In every yeah. sense of the word and realizing that you, as good as you can be, can always be better. Yeah. And you can always be up to learning. So one of the things I thought was neat, we spoke with Mike Alibach yesterday mm-hmm. and he had a talk for, he's talking for Pro Photo, and he had his um, presentation on, on Sunday morning with Julio King and it was about storytelling marketing. And one of the things he mentioned that really stuck with me was at the end, he was telling everyone, look. I've done this three-day intensive course before before this. Like it was like he was there from like Wednesday to Friday that has helped me grow my business like already or I'm going to grow my business a shit ton and I can't even believe like some of the things were literally he blew my mind. And he goes, the reason why I'm telling you guys this is because I'm here speaking as an educator and showing you that even I'm still investing in myself in education. Like it's never really going to there's always going to be somebody smarter or better that you can learn from. And I think um, that's yeah. something, you know, that definitely has to, people have to remember. Yeah. You know what I mean, so, so you've definitely been having a great, you know, 2015 and 16. Uh, tell us about some of your recent successes since we last saw each other at PPE last year. Um, well, I'd say the one, uh, most one that I had was um, nailing uh, HBO as a client and been able to shoot for them because I, I, that took me two to three years to get kind of nice. on my own. Um, and that's something, you know, things happen, but it takes time. Yeah, of course. To happen. And I think people want stuff to happen overnight and it doesn't. Um, yeah. It's being, being patient. Yeah. And a lot of rejection, a lot of no's or a lot of being ignored. Um, and I, I truly believe the difference between someone who's a truly successful or not is just being, having that tenacity and persistent. So, you know, HBO came, I did a small, small shoot for them. Mm-hmm. I stood in touch with them, you know, made a meeting with them, did a test shoot, sent it to them. Alexis great work, but we didn't need that right now. Another test shoot, send out Alexis amazing work, but we didn't need that right now. Did that, did that for like two years, mm-hmm. right? I mean, to the point where I'm not gonna lie, it's frustrating. Yeah, of course. I know a lot of photographers. You're human. <laughs> yeah, a lot of photographers uh, romanticize that when they speak on stage or they do that or like, oh, failed more than I've succeeded and all that. No, at that point, I was like, at one point when I got an email from HBO, I was like, fuck, man. I was like, come on, man. I was like, I know. Whenever that happens to me, I know. I just like, look, keep working harder and keep pushing it. Mm-hmm. And then my goal is to like make them feel. Re- Felt stupid or regret that they didn't hire me. Yeah. So I just keep doing it, working, working, yeah. working. And then um, finally I got a call back. They're like, hey, we have a job in LA available for you. It's not what you wanted, but if you can, you know, would you be able to take it? I was like, hell yeah. And I took it. You know what I mean? Nice. And I took What was it? it, if you can, if you can it was, uh, yeah, it was for shooting the HBO. Um, they were filming with, um, um, oh my God, a director. I forget his name. Um, he directed Hancock with Will Smith. Uh, Peter, uh, Peter Berg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he used to be an actor. Well, he still is, but he was he was an actor. A lot of people knew like in the nineties and early two thousands, and yeah, he was always more bigger on the other side of the camera, though. Yeah, he had a show on HBO where they interviewed people, and mm-hmm. then um, it was just to shoot on set behind the scenes stills of that. How was it? He was cool. Uh, well, it was behind the scenes set still, so I was shooting with a sound blimp. Oh, so I'm okay. kind of a fly on the wall doing yeah. that. See, that's why they said they're like, it's not what you wanted because right. I wanted portrait work for like right. their advertising and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were like, oh, when it's done, if you could get a quick portrait, that'd be great. And then, but I can't set up my own lights or do anything like right. that. I'm kind of just behind. So I, I get a quick snapshot. Um, and, and it went great. You know nice. what I mean? I did it. And then I did that for them two to three times. Nice. And then they had me cover some of the stuff for the Mayweather Pacquiao, which was great. Um, well, all of that, like it didn't happen overnight, you know, yeah. they had a relationship in the meeting and it took about, let's say two years of consistently staying with them and doing all that. And that's the thing that like, uh, so you, you feel like Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, we were talking before about Andy Frisilla, who does um, the MFCEO project. And mm-hmm. I've been listening to his and it's great. And one thing he talks about with Gary and he talks about on his show was uh, practicing aggressive patience. And, and literally like that, yeah. the second I heard it, I was like, boom, fuck yeah. And to me, uh, you know, we talk, I've been reading um, Gary's new book, right, for mm-hmm. review. And one of the first chapters is uh, Clouds in the Dirt, right? He's like, I'm always in the clouds in the dirt in the sense of you have the big picture idea of where you want to be, but you also are smart enough to know you have to get in the fucking dirt, get your hands dirty, and do the everyday grinding shit that will get you to that point. 
and realizing that you're going to constantly have to keep checking, you know? Okay, what I'm doing now in the dirt, is it realign, Is it still aligning with the clouds? Okay, do yeah. I adjust? Do I adapt? Do I pivot? Whatever. And that's fucking hard. I mean, you said it. It's really hard sometimes to be doing and banging your head against the wall, but saying it'll happen. And Well, frustrating. I would say more frustrating yeah. than hard. Really yeah, yeah, frustrating, yeah. yeah. And, and it's really tough. But at the same time, you know that anything we do in this business is about uh, relationships and having developed those relationships. And it, it, yeah, it, it was, um, it was interesting for me to hear that and be like, yeah, that's, that's a lot of people don't realize, you know, you, you might be this close yeah, that's and, why. You're, and you're frustrated and you give up and you're like, but fuck man, you were this close. Yeah. That's the always thing that keeps me going on. I'm like, for all I know, maybe that next thing I show them, I'll get yeah. them and just keep going. And, yeah. um, you know, I never, I mean, I, it's frustrating to kind of try not to get discouraged, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie, it does yeah. suck sometimes. And like, sure. sometimes, you, especially if you're a freelancer, you're in your mm-hmm. own a lot. Mm-hmm. That's why I try to go out as much as possible and meet people. Right. Right. When you meet people, like, it just yeah, makes and, you feel better. Exactly. And, all that. and you get, it gets like the, the energy levels are up, you know, and, and the potential's there. And uh, yeah, you know what I mean? And, and I think even, even like after these, there's such like an intense physical, psychological, emotional thing. For days on end, like from when you wake up till the fucking after party, till this, till that, right? Yeah. Then when you go home, and it takes you a couple days to defrag to be like, it's so fucking quiet in this house. Oh my God. <laughs> no one to talk to, no meetings to go to, just send out emails, you know, go back to the real world. Yeah. But it's kind of fucking crazy. Um, so listen, I checked out uh, something recently that was really great that you had reached out to me about was a, a video from Bar Lenses that was awesome. Well, thank you, I mean, man. So speaking of relationships and and developing things, how did that one come about? You know, um, that one actually came out, um, I knew a few people at Borrow Lenses before him. And the, it, it was funny, the very first connection with Borrow Lenses was with Alex. I don't know if you know Alex from Borrow Lenses. Mm-mm. The way I actually connected with her was through Facebook. Cause she was uh, she tried to recreate a portrait of Dan Winters, mm-hmm. her lighting, and I commented on it. Um, and Jeff Lewis was a mutual friend. I oh, know I know Lewis. Jeff. Yeah. yeah, he's gonna be on soon. He's actually here. Did you yeah, see? Yeah, him? yeah. I saw. Him. We were hanging out yesterday when nice. he uh, he came in. Uh, and then I added her on Facebook. And the funny thing is, the reason why she added me on Facebook is because she thought I was her boss's wife because her name's Alexis, <laughs> who also. Uh, so I'm like, that worked out well for me. Uh, but anyhow, she's super cool. Wait, wait, wait. How, how many times did you get that? Um, I, I, regularly on occasion. <laughs> Some people think that, right? Um, Every time I saw your name, I think it's Alex. No, it's Alexis. It's Alexis, goddammit. Not Alex yeah. is. It's yeah. Alexis. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then uh, um, I forgot what, but they were local in there, and then I would just introduce her. We met at local you know, trade shows like this, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. WPPI or mm-hmm. Photo Plus Expo. Those are the two main ones I go to. Um, and then uh, another good friend of mine who's like really up high in uh, borrow lenses um, is Joe Erkley, and mm-hmm. we knew each other from, we both went to the local PPA chapter in San Francisco mm-hmm. like five, six years ago. And he consistently went there and did print comp and we went yeah. together and I volunteered there. So I was a board member oh, all nice. the way from the bottom to all president. Yeah. Started from the bottom. Yeah. yeah. And then the president and all that, uh, program director and all that. Um, and then uh, he started going on the board a little bit too. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we both kind of stopped doing that after a while. Um, but that's how I knew him for like five, six years. And then wow. he went, he, five, six years. Wow. Yeah. And then he went to borrow lenses. Uh, and then he's, um, I, I don't know what his official position is, but he's pretty up high there. And mm-hmm. so I had a great relationship and I always love trying to collaborate with other companies. And, you know, I told him the idea, um, they were looking to do more content for YouTube and mm-hmm. videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's, you know, I'd love to do something. So that's, that's how it came about. Yeah, That's great. I mean, for me, it's, uh, I always tell people that videos where it's at, you know what I mean? It like, is. And, yeah. and you know it, you know what I mean? With the BTS shots you do of your shoots and we'll go into some of that too. Um, that that's what people want. We're a very visual yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, kind of thing. So some of your biggest work is obviously the the Pacquiao Mayweather photos mm-hmm. that are fucking on point, man. That's <laughs> Thank so you, good. man. And the U.S. National Women's Soccer Team shots, which they're fucking amazing. Like, Thank you, man. Not even so much as like the, the portraits, the lighting. It was just the creative direction, you know, with the smoke bombs, right? Yeah, the co- exploding powder. Right, the exploding powder and the comping and everything else that you did that it, it's dude, they're awesome Thank every you, time man, i see them it. like the colors pop the colors are great and i mean timing wise it was interesting right 
I mean, you didn't know it was going to work out that way that they were going to have the success they had, right? Or was it? Oh yeah, no, um, we didn't because they yeah. hadn't they hadn't won it since 1999 was the last time. So yeah. they were hopefully the favorites this year, and they, they did really well. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. So, I, so what's what do you think has been the best project this last year or so that's gotten you tons of more work? I mean, have, have those two bigger projects because they're so high profile? Have they like lent you to more, you know, people finding you? You know, uh, to be honest with you, it's funny. A lot of people think if you shoot a cover, it's going to automatically bring you more work. Oh, not at all. It doesn't at all. You, <laughs> yeah. have, you have to right. pimp it out yourself and market sure. it yourself like crazy. Um, for sure. You know, which is funny. Um, those Mayweather Pacquiao portraits that I did were for HBO, mm-hmm. but they ended up in a two-page spread on SI. Mm-hmm. Because after I shot that, you know, when, when you shoot for networks, usually like MTV or HBO, it's usually all buyout stuff. So you don't own the rights to it, but that doesn't mean I could still I could still email blast it and like you know privately and doing all that. Right. So once I shot those, I wasn't like, oh, I made it. You know, I got to shoot those <laughs> and it's done. Right. right. I, I still had those and and I sent it to all the editors and USI, all the editors, ESPN, and it, hey, this is some new work. I did everything. Right. Heard nothing back. Right. And then uh-huh. a, a month uh-huh. later, oh, for a month. Yeah, a month later, I got an email back from one of the editors at SI saying. Hey, um, you know, we're working on the Mayweather Packer issue. Do you, you know, do you have the rest of that take from that shoot? We'd love to see it because we're looking for two images. Nice. First thing that came to mind was like, oh, you bastard, you did see my email. Then you just <laughs> you just never replied to it, right? Um, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Right. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, man, no problem. And then I showed him the whole take. Like, man, this is great. We might use those. Um, you know, um, I was like, all right, I have to put you in touch with HBO and you got to get the images from them because right. I don't own them. Um, and he was like, oh, so you're not getting anything out of this? And I'm like, financially not but I'm like yeah. you know I'd be stoked if I get the two page spread because it's just you know it'd yeah. be great yeah. um, and then um, yeah they sent it to them and, and that's how I got it but uh, moral of the story is you know talking about marketing like I get discouraged or people get discouraged if you send stuff and you don't hear nothing back doesn't mean they're not seeing it no and you know what's funny you know? I uh, who was it I'm, I think it was um, I'm fucking blanking out the guy who does a lot of composite work and and does a, a three light setup, you know, with the with the the um, kicker lights, the strip box. Oh, and, Joel, uh, Joel, Joel Grimes. Grimes. Yeah. So Joel Grimes talks a lot about uh, the rule of eight, right? Yeah. And you've, so you've heard, I've of, heard it? of that, yeah. Right. So it's the same thing, eight fucking times. And you you're sitting here going, after three or four, if you're hearing nothing, and this is spanning a year, you're depressed. Yeah. And now you're not depressed. Now you're getting fucking pissed. Yeah. Right. You're getting frustrated. But it's true because there's so many times where I think people fucking hate me. I'm like, this guy thinks I'm so annoying. I, know I send him shit, never sends back. Or I get like little blurps, like one, two words for a whole fucking thing. And and then you see him in person like a year later and they go, dude, I've been meaning to fucking reach out to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love your stuff. I, I got it. I want you to know that I've been seeing it. Like and and that to me is is huge and and you have to always realize that that can happen you know like when I um when I was the first time I met Chase Jarvis and then it, since then we'd we talk and I'd follow up and send him stuff and he you know I would never hear back and I'm like oh, fuck all right whatever you know like he's a busy dude you know yeah and then when I saw him at PPE last year we were at a at a RGG after party at a studio and I'm talking to him telling him about the podcast and all this shit. And he and he, like he had a second where we were just me and him, and he he puts his arm on your shoulder and goes, "Listen, um, I want to let you know. I'm sorry I didn't write back. I saw all the stuff you sent me. I checked out your article. Wow. And it was the one in, um, about Jaleel uh, on Epstopper's about depression. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I want to let you know I read it. It was really fucking good. You got to keep writing. He's like, and more people should talk about it. You know, and yeah. and that to me was it was all worth it. You know what I mean? Just hearing that. But again, that took. You know, months of unanswered emails, unanswered messages, and shit to yeah. be like, oh wow, it's fucking cool. You know, yeah. so you got to keep at it. So tell me, what's the biggest thing you've got in the pipeline that you can talk about? Uh, coming up right now, yeah. Um, I mean, I have something exciting that un- potentially exciting, but you know, I don't want to run my mouth on that no, one because it yeah, doesn't exactly. happen. Yeah. Whatever you can, what you can talk about. I don't want you to get in trouble or ruin shit or. Um, you know, actually, right now the. That I could talk about nothing actually to be super exciting on it to be uh to be completely honest about just grind work yeah. doing test work marketing mm-hmm. um looking hopefully for new editorial clients hired a um a consultant 
Phyllis. She used to be um, the studio manager for Eric Almas for about oh, nine, yeah. nine, ten years. Eric's great. Yeah, amazing she's amazing. Work. I loved her. Um, and one of the reasons being, and this is actually important to talk about because at the current time right now, um, I, I'm not shooting for SI mm-hmm. anymore because of Time Inc. Mm-hmm. Because of the new contract that I have, which is not fair to photographers. Mm-hmm. So I'm not... I haven't signed a new contract yet along with the handful of other photographers. Oh, wow. So, um, but which kind of sucks. Right. Um, you know what I mean? But it, it's, they're changing all the rights, eliminated all the space rates. Oh, wow. Uh, the way it's written now is they could publish your work in all future uh, issues would, without getting get any shit. extra compensation. Yeah. Actually, the way it's written right now, um, I believe that any 31 of the plus Time Inc. magazines could republish the work without any extra compensation. So it could be in another cover for another magazine. You wouldn't get no extra money. Oh, that's tough. Um, yeah. I believe in there. So I, I'm not. So that's why I hi- wanted to hire a consultant to help me with my marketing. That's why I did the test shoot mm-hmm. to send that to Whiten and Kennedy and Nike and all that stuff and those magazines that I'm showing. Mm-hmm. So those marketing collateral. So um, starting that because that stuff happens all the time. Editors move all the time, and you got to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you never want to say never. At the time, I'm not right now shooting for Time Inc. But you know, things change in the future. Hopefully, I will. Yeah. Um, you know, or hopefully the contract might get a little better. Or mm-hmm. if it's, I'll, I'll just be really more picky with the assignments if I do choose them you know what right. I mean if it's something I could get your exposure with I'll right. maybe consider shooting it right. the only exception that I'll make for shooting timing right now it'll happen um, which I guess we kind of maybe try to talk about is I have a relationship on the sports side with them and I've been trying to build one or I've been building one slowly with the swimsuit side mm-hmm. uh, would be if they say oh you want to shoot the swimsuit issue it'll be like yeah that's the only one but that's different uh, I think it's a slight different contract than the mm-hmm. regular Time Inc. one because um, they shoot the whole issue in the entire year and they don't show it till the following year. Right. right and right. all the photographers that shoot for SI Swimsuit never post those pictures. You're, you're yeah. not allowed to. You have like yeah. an embargo until it's in published. published yeah, you know what sure. I mean? Yeah. So, it's so that's the only exception I would make. And that's assuming if I would get it because that's kind of like when right. the auto. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. the photographers that um, shoot uh, that's that's are big names yeah, and doing all that stuff. Awesome. So. Um, luckily, I, you know, I've had a, I've I've met nearly every editor at SI, and I met the creative director. Nice. He also works in the SI swimsuit issue, so that's um, the stuff I'm shooting in. Uh, I'm going to lay after this, okay. shoot more swimsuit stuff to send it to him. I'm gonna make a nice book and send nice. it to him, and then he'll send he'll show the editors. Nice. Hopefully, you know, that's take awesome. up on the offer. Speaking of that, today's episode. I don't know if you know Noam Galai. He's a um, a uh, Getty Images photographer from New York, okay. Israeli, and. Uh, he he's a great guy. He's kind of like uh, pratique, real, oh, real, like real soft spoken. Yeah. Uh, you know, real quiet, um, but a great shooter. And he actually his he had to took a picture of Donald Trump. It's on the cover of Time Inc. Right, or Time right now. Oh really? Yeah. So so that his episode dropped today. Nice. And it coincided like he he sent it that picture that real tight black and white shot of Trump with the check boxes across it. Yeah. That's his image. And he's like, holy shit, guys, my cover's on the fucking top. <laughs> and when we spoke to him was, we spoke to him like in December at Peter Hurley's studio in New York. And around that time was not all the, you know, all the uh, Trump shit was going on. Mm-hmm. And he just kept going, I don't fucking like the guy, but I love when he talks shit because they keep using my photo and I keep getting fucking paid. He's like, so doesn't bother me none, you know? Yeah. Um, so I know you've, you've been oh, a person who uh, thankfully um, really is on board with like personal projects and realizing that those test shoots and yeah. those kind of things are what get you more work. Um, so I know you mentioned like, you know, you're going to go to LA and shoot some more swimsuit stuff to get on the SI swimsuit editor's radar and send them stuff. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of usually the thing I ask people is what are their thoughts on it? And it sucks to say some people get so busy with paid work they don't ever do stuff for themselves anymore, and that's tough. Well, what what I like to say is, um, well, depending on where your career is, if you're getting a bunch of payroll that's your dream clients, your dream work, great, right? right? But you always want to expand creatively and all that, right? But you know the saying, uh, um, "Dress for the job you want, not mm-hmm. the one you yeah, have." The one you have. Yeah. I like to say, um, "Shoot for the jobs you want, not the ones you're getting." Nice, that's right? Good. So, yeah. um, I apply that when I shot Little League, my brother, and all that, or when I shot high school, I always shot it. With the intention for it to like an ad for something and always treated it like that with the scouting with all the lighting that I took. Um, yeah, I think that's important. Like, yeah. you know, you, you have to you have to show in this business is it's it sounds obvious, but like um you have to show them you could do it. You can't tell them. Right. Right. So like I am obviously like right, a photographer, I could expose the light, right? I could take a portrait, right? I could, you know, do everything, this and that. Um, but I can't just tell the editors from SI, hey, I could shoot swimwear or I could shoot women in swimsuit, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, mm-hmm. um 
you, you have to show them. So yeah. that's why you got to set up a you know a test with the uh, the model that looks right, and then hopefully have a hair and makeup artist and the stylist and all that, and mm-hmm. show them the book and show them everything. You know. Yeah, that's good. And like you said, it's it's uh, it's something that people don't realize that especially if you want to even transition, fuck it, shoot some test work, right, with your friends or or models you're friends with or use all your your connections. And then put together enough to have a little book and then use that book to get paid work because, you know, it's, that's what you have to do. Because like you said, how are you going to get clients for new work if you have nothing to show for it? Yeah. Even yeah. on paid work, I try to do the, the work that I want. Yeah. Um, the, the very first assignment that I got for Sports Illustrated was Brad Smith, um, who called me up for the assignment. Um, he's the director, of, former director of Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he called me. It was great. I met him at the Eddie Adams workshop. You know, a few years before, and at the time he was the senior editor of sports at the New York Times. Mm-hmm. So I stood in touch with him. He gave me a few assignments for the New York Times. Went great. Nice. Then he sent me an email saying, "Hey, I just wanted to let you know I'm leaving the New York Times to be the DOP at SI. Nice. Looking forward to continuing a work relationship." I was like, "Great." And then so he gives me a call. Um, I remember I was standing in the kitchen. He was like, "You know what, Alexis? I think you're great. At I, I think your work is great." But most importantly, he's like, I loved, um, I love you, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I want to give you the assignment, and I want you to be our guy for um, for the San Francisco Bay Area. Anything, anytime we need portrait work, that's awesome. And man. I was like, great. And then so he kind of gave me the assignment. He's like, you know, get a gray seamless. I know you know how to light, light it real simple, and we need this X, Y, and Z. Um, in the, and this is the best advice I've ever gotten in photography ever. Literally, like this is gold. Um, I feel like I should pay him a royalty every time I say this. All right, I'm waiting for it. Come on, <laughs> he's on, like on bated breath. Yeah, before uh, uh, before he hung up, he's like, "Keep it simple, have fun, and don't fuck it up." <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the best <laughs> photography advice I've ever gotten. Yeah, and um, I didn't listen to it. I didn't listen to him at all. <laughs> I um, because when he gave me the assignment, right, I knew it would be a tear sheet for Sports Illustrated, and it would right. be, look great on my portfolio and whatever, right? Right. But yeah. when he told me how he wanted it to look, to light it, uh, just with a great seamless and nice lighting, real simple lighting. Uh-huh. I'm like, I know exactly what he wants and I hate doing work like that. Mm. I'm like, even though I know a tear sheet SI is going to be great, I'm not going to be proud to do that. Right. Right? I don't, I don't care. It's a, if I'm not proud of the work, it, it's it, it's bittersweet. Like, he kind of lifted me up and then drove a dagger right through my heart when he said how he wanted it to look. So, you know, I was standing there and I, I've shot athletes before prior to that, other co- covers for like other magazines for boxing. Mm-hmm. And I know that sometimes, like, right, they say you could have an hour with them. And sometimes... But really, it's like fucking 10 minutes. 10 minutes yeah. with them, right? Or sometimes they say 10, like, like Floyd and Manny had, like, like a minute, less than a minute with them. Mm. So, and then I knew what they wanted from the assignment, right? So, um, I'm like, man, I don't want to waste time dicking around with my own lighting that I want. Because I know they need a handful of, like, ideas and poses and stuff like that. Um, the title of the thing was Revenge of the Nerds. So, it was... Oh, um, nice. It was... Uh, college student athletes mm-hmm. that were doing really well on the field and also like had like a 4.0 GPA. Right. And right. Shane Scove was the first athlete I was, uh, was the athlete I was work, uh, photographing. Um, so they wanted like football poses, portraits of him, like him posting basically um, like a, like a, like a nerd on the roid rage. Kind of what they funny. wanted, right? Which is funny, funny. Uh, you know, to sum it up. And then um, anyhow, so I know all this they need. So the, I didn't keep a simple part because mm-hmm. uh, I did extra homework on that. And I knew the pocket wizard had a speed cycler to it, which uh, means you could set a group of lights in group A and another group in group yeah. B. Mm-hmm. It would cycle between them. Mm-hmm. So I know I had a sports camera that could shoot 10 frames a second. Mm-hmm. So I was like, in theory, that's two pictures in 200 milliseconds. Mm-hmm. Right? So what I ended up doing was doing both setups at once. And then um, when he, whatever he did, I would hold the trigger down. I would do a quick two-shot burst. And the first look was the one Brad, Brad wanted, and the second one was the one I wanted. We kind of lit more dramatic, uh, you know, with a warm, cool color palette. Mm-hmm. And um, I did the assignment like that. And then um, that wasn't simple. I was like trying to figure out and you know, doing two setups at once. You got to make sure the exposure is right. Everything is right. right. Uh, and I've never done it before. Um, so like and, you said, you were experimenting on the job, which is always... Kind of, right? Well, right. I mean, I did a little test before, but obviously you never know what happens on, exactly. on the job on the side. So right. anyhow, I did it. Thankfully, it worked out well. And mm-hmm. they ended up printing the look that I liked on a two-page spread. See, that's the only thing. That to me is why when people uh, talk about that, I always say, yeah, get the shot that they want. But once you got the shot that they want, if you want to get a little creative and do what you want, do it. Because you never know 
just like it happened, that, you know, they might think they know what they want, but then you're showing them, no, 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 you want this. Yeah. They're like, oh, that is pretty cool, you know? So it's it's taking that. So speaking of that, what would you say is your biggest risk you've taken in your artistic career? Um, I would say those. Uh, that yeah. one, uh, well, not, yeah, that one was a risk because... Um, you know, I never had done that before in, mm-hmm. in that one. But I'll say the biggest risk that I, I took was I, I, I kind of got really ambitious the second uh, time I came around when mm-hmm. I shot the first cover for SI, which was the men's World Cup issue. Nice. Um, and I, I was going to only have one minute with each player. Right. So I wanted to take that double look to the next level and do four looks <laughs> at once, right? Cause in one minute and do that. In, Are you hearing this? And completely over deliver. Um, yeah. And uh, so for like overwhelmed, but yes. (laughs) So for that one, the original game plan, and it was granted, this is my first cover for SI. I've shot covers before for the smaller magazines. Right. um, But this is my my first like national big, you know, US magazine cover. So I really wanted to prepare and figure out. And and the whole lighting diagram that I had was 20 lights, (laughs) you know, with three different sets. Um, I had one set from when the players came I would have one minute Mm -hmm. another one I was going to do a group portrait for that one and another one just for the cover Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I got really ambitious and needed 20 lights I got everything I needed had everything you know planned out but we couldn't pre-light because we were shooting them at at Stanford Mm. in the middle of nowhere so we had no power or we didn't know if we would have access to power so I had to I had to rent like a generator no I rented I think like I should have rented a generator looking back I I rented about 12 uh, B4 packs battery power packs Uh, well actually it was a handful of B4 packs and like 4 7B packs because I rented all the B4s that the the Sammy's had (laughs) they're not so one that one and then um, so we put they anyhow um, try to make long story short like they changed the starting time like three times Mm -hmm. and then they also changed it the day of Oh, wow. um, so when we we're there so I had the day before I had to live all the, all the grip, uh, grip gear with my assistant mm-hmm. to try to save time the following morning so we get there at 7am um, and we try to start setting up and like nothing works mm. none of the lights were triggering I, I've never had that problem but what better time to first have that problem you know when you get your first cover Right. Um, and I don't know what it was because I've never had a problem before. I don't know if it was the Stanford security walkie talkies that were interfering with the pocket wizards. Right. But I was getting erratic behavior. I had a, a power pack blow up. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, wow. And then, uh, yeah, we ended up selling, settling using only 10 lights, uh, doing one set only. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, everything that could have gone wrong in that shoot went wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, I survived it. Um, and I got a cover and Six pages or three, yeah, three spread, six pages from it. Nice. And, when and was they, that? they were really happy. That was uh, 2014, the mm-hmm. year before, yeah. And I was thinking, damn, if, um, you know, everything goes wrong in a shoot that could have gone wrong, absolutely technically and like everything, and you get a cover from that and three spreads, I'm like, you know, you did okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but I would say that was the biggest tricks on it. And then, you know, looking back on it, you mm-hmm. know, I like I thought about this, you know, would I, because I could have seriously kept it super simple, just mm-hmm. do a nice clean look with like three lights mm-hmm. uh, back. Because we have to be outside, so we scrimmed, we scrimmed it and all that. Um, and I know they would have been totally happy with that. You know right. what I mean? And just get because if you look at the cover, it's a simple shot, right? Right. It's just and everything like the circumstances was just real difficult. You know, one minute with each player, right? Um, and then you have the PR guy there right there, and I couldn't even talk to the players to make rapport with them. If I started right. talking to them, it would be like, Lexus, you can't talk to them. You got to get the shot, like literally like that. <sighs> so it's it, when you can't really create rapport with someone and you got to do it, like yeah. then the players aren't really, you know, all into, into it. it. Yeah. Right. yeah, and all that. Um, you know, but yeah, looking back at it, I'm like, you know, I would do all that exactly the same because right. all the thing that was such a learning experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing that you could control that I don't want to leave mm-hmm. uh, anything is effort. You control right. your effort. Right. And a lot of people, you know, I have a behind the scenes video of that that explains all the look and all this and that. A lot of people were like, that's so overkill. That's so unnecessary. Like this and that, right? I, I, to that people, uh, you know, people that say that, that's overkill and everything like that. You right. know, I'm just glad that not everybody's like that because if it was like that then the Rolls Royce wouldn't exist. A Ferrari right. wouldn't exist. Right, right. Because, right. you know, you could say that's overkill. You know what I mean? For yeah. those people that think that, Using whatever, doing all that, it's overkill. Like, then, then what you must be happy with minimum wage, then, <laughs> right? Because you could just live with all basic stuff, like, yeah. right? And yeah. like, this is not my day job, this is what I love doing, right? So, I'm gonna go all out and do the best job that I can, right? right? Execute it the best and like that I you can. said, it's it, that way when you're constantly pushing yourself out of your <laughs> comfort zone, that the good thing with that is then you're always learning, you know, better or worse. 
like you said, from a Sports Illustrated cover going horribly wrong <laughs> to going, I did okay. You know, it came out all right. You yeah, know? they published it. So exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, but if you had not taken that risk and, and, and figured that out, you, you wouldn't have learned that, hey, when shit goes completely sideways, I'm still pretty, pretty, pretty calm yeah. and going to get the shit done. You know, you learn a lot about yourself. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, we got a couple more questions left. Yeah. We're running low, but I just want to, we're going to kind of keep the response to like a minute. Yeah. Right? Let me know. Cool. Yeah. All right. Name your biggest fear creatively. Oh, damn, that's a tough one. I know. That's why we got him in there, man. The last couple get real fucking deep. Um, my, you know, I don't know if it's the biggest fear creatively, but one of the things I've been thinking about lately a lot, it's like you work so hard for your work. Mm-hmm. My biggest fear is that you put so much time and effort with a team and effort and if no one sees the work. Yeah. Because the only thing you have, the reason why I put so much work behind on there mm-hmm. uh, on everything that I do is because it's the only thing that I get to leave behind that says 100% mine. Right. I mean, granted, I don't have any kids right now or married to that, but like right now, creatively, that's the only thing I live behind. So, right. my biggest fear would be like you put all your time and effort into something and it just never gets seen mm-hmm. or, or it gets censored. Right. Right. I, I don't know if that answers that question. No, no, like it does, that, of course. I mean, that, like, yeah. And, and that, that leads up to another one. Um, but first, name your most meaningful moment in your career thus far. Uh, the most meaningful one, the ones helped me out the most tremendously. There's no real big breaks that tell you you've made it in this career. Right, like it's course. all little stuff. I would say the most meaningful one that kind of changed my career that helped me out tremendously was getting accepted to the Adiana's workshop in 2011. Because mm-hmm. that's where I made a ton of relationships and still stay in touch with people there. Nice. That's where I met Brad and that's okay. how I got the New York Times and then how I got SI and all that. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, what's your biggest regret in your career? You know, the biggest regret in my career, um, I would have that I wish if I could go back and talk to myself mm-hmm. was to know what I wanted to shoot. Because right. I first started out shooting little leagues and I did weddings and then I wanted to be like a reportage photographer and all this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I could go back and tell myself, look, you want to do portraits, you're really good at lighting, just just do that from now on and, right. and, and the advert then market to a, a commercial advertising clients and magazines mm-hmm. start doing that now instead of you know doing all that later right with that being said though like i didn't know what i wanted to do and i had to shoot all that crap to realize what i wanted and to that's do. So, that's the thing i tell everyone like when i when i teach people who are just starting out and they want to they want to learn i tell them shoot everything yeah because you'll find out what you like and what you don't like but more importantly you'll find out what you're really good at and you might even do for free and then you might find something that you're pretty good at but pays well so then you then like you know, then you have that balance between your personal work that you'll do for nothing and love it, and then you'll do the stuff that'll pay your bills. Yeah. That you know can sustain you. And you hopefully I mean? the goal is to be able to get paid for right. the work that you love doing. Exactly, you know, exactly. But at the same time, it's still it's still always a balance. Yeah. Cause you got people who say, Oh, well, I love doing this, and then I then I made it my full time thing. And then no matter what you're shooting or how cool it is. It becomes a job eventually. Yeah. And then you kind of, it's just keep balancing out between the two. Usually because once you get paid, you have to answer to somebody. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, like your last answer to your biggest fear, uh, this is a good one that I'm going to see what your answer is. So we always say time for a deep one. If you couldn't share your work with anyone, would you still shoot? If I couldn't? No one, just you. You know, that's, a good question to ask because I've I've thought about that before and um, mm-hmm. that comes up with when you shoot stuff that's right grabs mm-hmm. because you technically get an image and you have to ask permission to show it mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. and you know more than likely I would almost say I would lean more towards to know yeah because it's my I, I the reason why I put so much this may sound real arrogant of me or or maybe no. con, but reason why I put so much time and effort is to be able to, to share to get, with the world what I do yeah you to know get the I recognition mean? Yeah, uh, not necessarily yeah. recognition but just just look 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 this is what I did mm-hmm. you know and if people like it they like it and stuff like that yeah. um and, and all that and then um because it, it's what I do is who I am. Right. So it's an extension of me, and I want to show that and share it with people. Yeah. That's like telling uh, a singer, like, right? You could, if you could sing, record your best song in the world, but you could never play it anywhere. Would you, would you still be passionate about singing? No, believe me. And and that's right. funny. It's like that's the funny thing is, they're, they're literally when we when we talk to people, and we ask them that question, it's completely split on the middle, right? But everyone is like, they'll quickly immediately know the answer. And to some people, it's like you know, you think about like when you shoot with your phone, right? 
and go, I'll always see something cool and take a picture on my phone and I'll probably never even post it or mm-hmm. whatever. So like, I'll always be a photographer. But then there's some people like you and, and honestly, probably like me that I really like the interaction between people who see my work or clients or, you know, anything like that. So if I couldn't get that kind of feedback or, or, or sharing that moment with them, I don't know if I, if it would really be, uh, Still, I would really still do it in that sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of the things that I say, I how are we doing on time? Can I talk uh, more? One more thing. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. we got to pack up too. We gotta, all right, if you yeah. have one more thing, go for it. Go ahead. Uh, so, well, no, it was really, um, where can people check out your stuff and learn more about what you do? Uh, everything is myname.com. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit, you know, hard. So spell, spell, spell out your name. AlexisQuaresma.com, which is A-L-E-X-I-S. I think people that's, can spell That's Alexis. the easy one. And then <laughs> Quaresma is my last name. It's C-U. A R E Z M A. And my website's just alexiscresma.com, my mm-hmm. Instagram, my Twitter. Nice. And all that. So I'm okay. also on Snapchat too. Um, nice. Yep. All right, great. Well, listen, Alexis, thank you for taking the time out while we're here. Uh, we'll definitely, we're going to walk back to the floor together. Um, so, you know, you definitely will be back on again soon. This thank you for having me. My pleasure. Of course. Man. I hope you enjoyed it. I did, man. It was great. Um, so, last but not least, who's someone that you would like to hear us talk to on the show? Um, yeah, any big name photographer? Anyone? I mean, it doesn't even have to be even be a photographer. It can just be um any creative. So get, so like for instance, if oh so, creative, oh, creative, right? Okay. So the people you've been talking about, um, with regards to like photo editors, art directors, directors of photography and magazines, they'd be great too because they're on the other side of the table. Well, someone is Brad Smith. Okay, he's the former editor of Sports Illustrated. Um. Uh, he's based in New York, but he'd be great. Um, my yeah, fav- we, we go to New York a lot to my, record. My favorite photographer, um, Platon. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he's one of the reasons why I decided to focus on portraiture. I saw his work, I absolutely loved it. it. really moved me. He made me realize what I really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, he's one of the best portrait photographers in the world. Nice. He's a great speaker, too. Um, okay. If you ever get a chance to hear him talk, yeah. I totally get it. He has videos on YouTube, Platon. Brad Smith would be great. Dan Winters. Dan Winters? Yeah, I've met him before. He's an amazing portrait photographer, legendary. All right. All right. So listen, as always, we always tell people if if the people um when when we get to this question, if the people that, that you want to talk to, you have somewhat of a working relationship with them, an intro would go a long way. Like, you know, uh it's uh we can always take swings and record and send out emails to anyone. However, when you have a nice warm face introducing you, yeah, absolutely. It, it always helps. Um so listen again, thank you, Alexis, for taking the time out. And let's go kick ass at WPPI. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. All right. Take care. All right.